Biathlon is a unique Olympic event. It challenges participants with opposing athletic endeavors in a singular competition. It combines the heart-pumping aerobic aspects of cross-country skiing matched with the intense focus of precision marksmanship. Two diametrically opposing forces testing every ounce of physical and mental strength of athletes. Welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. With each episode, Heartbeat brings you insights into this fascinating sport. While the eyes of the biathlon world are set on the new season, U.S. Biathlon is also keenly focused on the future. The organization's strategic plan provides a roadmap to heightening competitive excellence looking out to 2030. As an Olympic athlete, club leader, and high-performance director, John Farah has left a strong mark in Olympic sport. This past October, Farah was named Sport Development Director for U.S. Biathlon, and in just two months, he is clearly lining out his plan for the future. As John talks about in our interview, his task has three pillars. First, broadening the base through club development and club support. Secondly, establishing a process for talent identification and talent transfer. And finally, establishing a strategy for coach development and education. Coming off a stint where he led U.S. triathlon to extraordinary success through high performance, Farah is eager to get back on skis. In two months, he's been road tripping across the country, meeting with clubs, athletes, and coaches, and he is having a blast. John spoke to us during a brief stop at his Utah home just a few kilometers from Soldier Hollow. His excitement is contagious, and he's already fielding inquiries from potential new biathlon clubs and cross-country ski racers, all anxious to learn more about the sport of biathlon. So let's join U.S. Biathlon Sport Development Director John Farah to learn more on this episode of Heartbeat. And today, Heartbeat is taking you to nearby Soldier Hollow, let's say to Heber City, Utah, with us, John Farah. And John, uh, welcome to the U.S. Biathlon team. Ah, nice to be with you on this beautiful winter day. You know, it is winter. I mean, I, I think just uh, I have to boast, and I know you can too, that we really have the most amazing winter conditions out here in Utah, don't we? It's been pretty incredible start to the winter, really anywhere in the Mountain West. It's been just exceptional. I know you've been traveling a lot, but have you had a chance to get on the skis over at Soldier Hollow? I haven't actually been on skis at Soldier Hollow. Lots of other places, just not Soldier Hollow yet, but it's coming this weekend, I hope. Good. We're going to talk about those in a minute. Uh, before we launch into uh, your new role with U.S. Biathlon, let's just get a little bit of background for those who might not know about you. Uh, uh, you had the great fortune of growing up in the area of Lake Placid, a little bit uh, uh, to the to the south. But tell us about growing up and how you initially got into sport. Yeah, I grew up on skis in, in upstate New York. Uh, I was able to do the Bill Coke League racing and uh, six years of junior nationals and got my opportunities to do junior worlds, uh, competed for the University of Utah, uh, got to go to uh, the 1991 World Championships and a, an Olympic team in 92 in Albertville. Um, I did compete in biathlon a few times, I want to be clear. Um, but I, I was thinking the other day, uh, maybe I should have listened to Tracy Lamb a few a few more times and uh, it would have encouraged me to do a little bit more. Well, uh, tell us a little bit more about that, though, because I didn't know that piece. So tell us a little bit about your biathlon career, as short as it might have been. It was short. Um, I was not very good with the rifle, let's put it that way. And uh, But I was a fast skier, so I was able to rip around the penalty loops enough to be competitive. Uh, Tracy always uh, would would come by and and 
and say, Hey, you got to be doing more biathlon. Uh, but, uh, but that, that pathway, I never really went down and maybe that's why I'm inspired in this role. You know, one of the things that I recall about you that I think is an important message to give out to listeners is you had the great support of your family. Your mom and dad were big supporters. They took you around to events, got you in the programs you needed to. And how important was that for you? And how important it is it for athletes coming up today? No question. It was a family. Uh, my family ran a, a ski touring center when I was growing up. It was a family business. It was a family affair. And uh, we were all passionate about it. So I had a great jump start in Nordic. And it was just, uh, it was the pathway I needed to take. And, you know, I was excited to start off my coaching career um, at the University of Utah, where I was able to finish up my degree. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Lake Placid to work at the National Sports Academy after that. Um, then my, my route found me to the Maine Water Sports Center up in northern Maine, uh, where I first started focusing on sport development and uh and my coaching role and it was interesting there you know looking to find ways to get kids on cross-country skis in northern maine and we ended up creating the world's largest rental fleet of 2,000 pairs of skis boots and poles so that we could uh we could inspire these kids to get off the couch and and be skiers and and it worked so i've had a really interesting pathway uh, along the way and when you and I crossed paths, uh, U.S. Skiing recruited me to come be their Nordic director in 2008. Uh, and that was my first foray into high-performance sport, where I really started to experience what it was like to support athletes uh, who are dreaming of, of achieving podiums in, in Olympic and uh, world championships. And uh, so that pathway went from Liberec, Czech Republic, where, uh, you know, Lindsey Van, Todd Lodwick, Billy DeMond, Keegan Randall all won medals. And I think we were leading the medal count in the first few days of, of the world championships, which was incredible. And then to be there on snow in Vancouver when our, our Nordic combined athletes uh, combined for four medals. Um, so I had a great start to high performance and, uh, and it kind of rolled from there into other, other uh, programs. We're going to talk more about high performance, but I want to go back in time. You've had the opportunity to work in a number of really key areas in the sport. You've worked in Lake Placid. You now live in Utah, very close to Soldier Hollow. You worked at the Maine Winter Sports Center at a time when it was just really burgeoning. Talk about the culture in those communities that really helped foster good sport, and particularly with cross-country biathlon, the Nordic sports. Yeah, it's about passionate people and, and passionate parents. Uh, there's nothing like getting a kid hooked on on sport and having them come home to their parents and say, "Wow, I've got to do this," and and then have the parents get fired up and and they become the core of the the ski club or the biathlon club in that community and and they're the ones you know calling uh, for more and, and racing and more opportunities. So it's really uh, I've had a lot of examples of that through the years and and I live in a community now that also is rallying around Soldier Hollow as a place for kids to experience. Uh, sport uh, year round. So it's it's been a heck of a journey for sure. We're going to talk more about that later because your role right now as director of sport development is actually fostering that kind of relationship with clubs around the country. So we'll come back to that a little bit. Uh, you, your pathway eventually took you to a number of different sports organizations like U.S. Paralympics and also USA Triathlon, uh, where you, you really were able to develop your skills as a high performance leader. What did you take away from those two roles? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, when I went to Paranordic, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to add value because I wasn't from that uh, sport, right? I was an Olympic athlete and didn't know how I could add value. And, and very quickly, I, I learned and was encouraged uh, to just keep asking questions and figure out how I could contribute 
my years, uh, seven years with paranordic skiing was uh, really exceptional and just led to some some great uh, learnings for me and, and evolution. And also having an opportunity to, uh, after that, moving on uh, to triathlon, took me out of my comfort zone, a sport that I didn't know much about. I actually turned down the job because I said I couldn't possibly you know, help. Uh, and in the end, you know, endurance sport is endurance sport and supporting athletes at the highest level and helping them achieve their dreams. It's, it's not all that complicated. And so I'm, uh, you know, I, I was ready after 15 years, uh, in seven different sports in high performance, uh, to take a big, deep breath and a, and a step back. And the next thing I know, my phone rings and, and Max Cobb says, wait a minute, I've got an idea. Well, I know, I know, I know that you're humble and you're modest, but the fact is you had an impact on U.S. Paralympics, uh, Paranordic. You had an impact, an impact on USA triathlon. You know, as you look back on that now, I would have to think you clearly accomplished the goals that you had for yourself there. But, but what other things do you take away from knowing that you were able to go into those two maybe unusual environments for you and then come out with some wins? Yeah, it's really always about the athlete. I, I love working for athletes. I love waking up in the morning and figuring out how to make their pathway a little more clear and a little more direct to a, to a podium performance or to their peak performance and, and fulfillment in the sport. Uh, but absolutely, I have nothing but real wonderful memories of, of the successes that our athletes have faced over the years and that I've been a part of. And, and after I, I left triathlon, I did reminisce and, and, uh, with seven different sports and, I was on snow or on uh, the course with, in the case of triathlon for 30 Olympic and Paralympic medals uh, over those 15 years. And, and uh, it's just exceptional and really uh, have a great uh, feeling in my heart for, for the time that I've spent. Just a little bit of a side note, but you uh, were, were the high performance director for that triathlon team at Tokyo. You had some success there, both in para and in able-bodied, but you also were there in a time when it was in the middle of COVID still. Protocols were very difficult, so that presented some additional challenges. It, it sure did, and really when the Olympics were postponed a year, that was the first major stress that we faced. How do we handle this in terms of selection procedures and getting athletes ready and keeping them ready. And, and then of course, managing, uh, the, those protocols. And I was on the field to play for both the Olympic and the Paralympic program. So I spent most of my summer in Tokyo that year. Um, so it was, uh, it was a challenge, you know, in the end, our athletes performed exceptionally well. Uh, we won the medal count for all triathlon nations when you combine our Olympic and Paralympic medals. And, uh, it was a great feeling. Um, and I'm sure I could have continued on, but I, I feel great about coming into a sport that I didn't know and still adding value in, in sort of unique ways. I think I made exceptional relationships and, but yeah, I'm onto, onto new things and, and back frankly to my Nordic world. And it's just been a pleasure to be reconnected with so many great people that, that I've been, been familiar with for so many years, lots of hugs on, on ski courses and, and great comments. And I'm really excited to be back in this, uh, this Nordic world of, of ours. So I want to talk about the call you got from Max Cobb, but just to set the stage, U.S. Biathlon under Max's leadership uh, had embarked on a really ambitious plan for 2030 to really achieve competitive excellence. And there's been a number of components put in place over the last few years. So you get a call from him this fall. And what was your thought process? Uh, was it a surprise call for you? It, had you been following? I know you have a daughter in the program, but had you really been following what U.S. Biathlon was doing? And how long did it take? you to come to the conclusion that, yeah, maybe this is a good spot for me. 
Yeah, to be honest, uh, for many years, Max would come up to me at events and we'd get we'd have a hug and we'd share our, our high performance experiences. And he kept saying, hey, one of these days we're going to work together. I'm just, we're going to figure it out one of these days. And uh, so um, so it for sure always crossed my mind. The story that I'll tell is that Max was very excited to share the 2030 strategic plan. And he happened to text me and say, hey, are you by any chance in Colorado Springs, uh, which I was. And I met him at five o'clock in the morning in Colorado Springs. It took two and a half hours for him to walk me through the strategic plan. And I was completely inspired and was ready for more. Yeah, it, it really is a, an incredible plan. And we're going to talk more about it in subsequent podcasts. But let's talk about that role that you accepted. You are now the Director of Sport Development for U.S. Biathlon. Dissect that a bit and let us know what your roles and responsibilities are. And then we'll dive a little deeper into some of those areas. Yeah, let me let me break it down. I, I think about it as three major buckets that I'm focused on. And, and let's be clear, I am ex- exclusively focused and 100% focused on sport development issues. And so really what that comes down to for us is is club support and club development, talent ID and talent transfer, and uh, coaching development, coach education. And so those are the three buckets that I wake up to each day trying to figure out how to, um, you know, make the sport better. So let's let's dive into the, well, Actually, before we do that, help us to understand the roles of Lowell Bailey mm. and Tim Burke and how they nestle in with what your responsibility is. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very uh, it's really an incredible opportunity to come into a, a very small national governing body, uh, lean and mean, uh, with three other Olympians, uh, my friends uh, Sarah Studebaker, Tim Tim Burke, Studebaker Hall, Tim Burke, and, and Lowell Bailey, uh, who all competed, as you know, in in biathlon uh, in the Olympic Games and, and for many years in the World Cup, uh, and having a chance to add my value as a as a cross country skier coming in from a different perspective. It, it's, uh, it's been very interesting. Tim is the athletic director, um, athlete development director, excuse me. And he's going to be focused uh, on what to do when we find these young athletes that are moving through the ranks and, and supporting, um, supporting high performance. Lola's as high performance uh, director is going to be exclusively uh, as much as possible focused on, on how to execute uh, high performance at the highest level. And Sarah's making sure we're all staying on track as our operations manager and, and keeping the wheels turning. So it's really a, a, a great team. And I felt immediately supported by that crew. They were really excited to have my, um, you know, my contribution and to be a part of the team. So it's, it's, it's felt great from moment one. John, you've been able to work with and also observe many small national governing bodies like U.S. Biathlon. This seems like a pretty strong structure, pretty well-developed with good people in areas of key importance in development. How would you kind of set this up against other national governing bodies this size in America? Yeah, it's it's not about how big you are, and and what we've learned is even how much money you have at times. It, it's how you execute, and it's how you work to support athletes at the highest level. The reason it spent it took two and a half hours to review the strategic plan is I was just really impressed that over the years U.S. Biathlon has invested so much into the athletes and really come up with a plan that would execute at all levels. Because it's you know of course it's athletes, but it's also fast skis projects. It's also having excellent shooting plans and incredible training plans and and having the right staff over in Europe to be able to support those athletes, which is where the, the field of play is uh, more than not. So it's really an exceptional group. And I have nothing but confidence that 
that this crew is the right one uh, to support athletes at the highest level and, and really do exceptional things in the coming years. We talk a lot on the Heartbeat podcast about this buzz about biathlon. You can go back to Lowell Bailey's medals. You go back to Susan Dunkley, wherever you want to go with it. But there has been this heightened enthusiasm for the sport of biathlon in America the last few years. And as you really look at it and dive into it, uh, there's a real reason for that. And now you're a part of that. Have you sensed this coming along the last three or four years yourself? Yeah, absolutely. The, the makings are there. The foundation is good. The, the roots are incredible for the organization. They've proven that they can support athletes at the highest level. They can get athletes on the podiums at, at the most uh, highest level of competition. So the roots are good. And what's happening in, now in my role is I'm getting phone calls almost daily for a community that says, hey, we want to add biathlon. How do we do it? And that's really an exciting prospect uh, because if you move forward, you know, three, four, five years, we might be an organization that has uh, currently about 43 biathlon clubs around the country that have, you know, some level of biathlon in their community. That number could rise substantially, which allows more kids growing up in these Nordic communities uh, where snow is a part of their lives. Uh, to have another experience that might resonate with them and might keep them in the Nordic skiing and, and outdoor uh, healthy sports for a long time. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really exciting time to be involved. And I know why, now I know why U.S. Biathlon decided to invest in this kind of role. Uh, it was time. Let's talk about those local programs. One of the objectives of the strategic plan for 2030 is to grow the base. And the way you do that is to find more programs or develop more programs. So the club support, the club development is kind of the first pillar that we talked about in your role. I know you've been super active on that in your first two months on the job. Tell us a little bit more about how important that is and the steps that you're taking to bring biathlon to more communities. Yeah, this is the, this is the, the really exciting piece is that, uh, as I mentioned, we've got communities that have existing cross-country culture and tradition, exceptional coaches and, and cross-country ski racers, and yet they don't have yet a biathlon program. And that's where I think it's really important for us to be able to um, lend our time and expertise and, and come up with a plan in each of those areas to be able to help them get there so that they can diversify their, their Nordic programs. It's, uh, you know, right now, I can give you some, uh, a few examples but from day one, um, Steamboat Springs, uh, Bend, Oregon are two of the examples. Sun Valley is another place I've visited recently. All of those communities have exceptional cross-country programs and Nordic programming, and they all would like to add biathlon to their, uh, to their programs. But in each community, it takes a unique and customized approach to how we're going to get there. And in some cases, we decide to take the pressure off of creating a live fire range in year one. And let's bring laser rifles into the community during their cross-country events and create some excitement and get the kids fired up. And then they go home to mom and dad and they say, hey, I've got to be able to do biathlon. And then mom and dad get to help us start the first biathlon club in that community. And, and that's really a model that seems to be working well. Uh, we've got that investment being made now in, in Steamboat and in Bend um, and others as well shortly. So that's very exciting. Uh, there's other communities that that uh, are at different levels of, of success at, at getting started. Uh, in Boise, for instance, they have a, 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 an exceptional biathlon coach and community and program, and yet they don't have a range that's on the racing trails at the moment. 
So that's their next goal is to try to figure out how to bring it up to the uh, Bogus Basin Mountain uh, and go from there. So each town has a different approach. Um, in addition, I would just add that of the 43 clubs that we currently have, it's also important that we uh, stay connected with them and figure out how, how to help them be even better. And one of the things I'm noticing is that just by talking to each of the clubs that are out there, some of them do things exceptionally well. And I believe it's going to be my job to help share those best practices some way, shape, form, or another so that they can learn from one another. And even those clubs can continue to evolve and, and continue to improve how they get kids involved and kids and masters and, and everyone an opportunity to try biathlon. You have a number of clubs in the country that are fairly sophisticated, have really good biathlon programs. Are you finding a willingness in those clubs to also share those best practices with others so the whole sport can elevate? Yeah, absolutely. The community is so close. They Most of the time, they're beating me to the punch. Uh, we have regional coordinators in, in each of the regions that um, have, keep a close tabs on all of their clubs and are the first line of, of communication. And so I'm just one more piece to the puzzle, and hopefully I can add uh, some value along the way. You know, one of the one of the exciting venues, as you know, that just came on this year is the Aaron's Nordic Center uh, in Brilliant, Wisconsin. And I'm excited to, to book a ticket there for their opening ski weekend um, on uh, January uh, 6th through 8th, just south of Green Bay. Uh, it's an incredible uh, venue that they've created. And now it's about going there and help them, you know, have an exceptional opening event with some try it biathlon opportunities and create that energy and start to get that venue uh, being used at the level that they they plan to. It's exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting to see what Aaron's is going to do. We will have them on a podcast as we get into January to learn a little bit more about that. Let's move on now to uh, uh, talent ID and talent transfer. This is a particularly exciting area for me because I've watched cross-country skiing over many decades now, and we have such amazing athletes. And what would it take to get some of them a little bit more interested in biathlon? So what are your efforts there? This is an interesting one because I, the way I describe this is that there are a lot of cross-country skiers out there who just haven't yet figured out that they should be biathletes. <laughs> and, and it's my job to help them figure it out at some point in their cross-country careers. You know, I'm actively conversing right now with coaches, which is what I did up in Sun Valley at the, the Super Tour that was held this past weekend, was just connecting with coaches and explaining to them why I'm so passionate about biathlon, why, why I have uh, you know feel it's important to share uh, some of the highlights for, uh, for how we can do this. And you know what's, what's exciting about it is helping the athletes understand that this doesn't mean switching to biathlon. Biathletes are cross-country skiers. And we're not looking to take athletes from their cross-country clubs or from their cross-country um, collegiate racing programs. Uh, but we do think it would be uh, important to offer them the opportunity to try biathlon and see if it resonates with them, see if it's a, a fit for their, um, for their skiing. And, you know, the opportunities for international racing and the sheer financial and personnel support that's available uh, to help athletes be successful is just something I haven't witnessed in my other, uh, at, the, at this level in my other sports. And so I've just got to share how excited I am about that. And so that's what it's about with Talent ID is, you know, keeping an eye on athletes out there, making sure they get the opportunity to connect with us. We have some Talent ID camps that we can uh, invite a certain number of athletes to each year. 
uh, to be able to give them that try, that experience, that introduction, and then uh, and then make a path for how to connect them uh, when when they're available, and in some cases when they're ready, like like Susan and Claire were, uh, and even Joanne after college, they say, "Huh, you know what? I really like that biathlon experience. Maybe it's time for me to go all in." And that's when we're going to be ready to uh, support them in that decision. And and, and that's also uh, something that we're really excited about moving forward is doing a, a bang up job of getting the word out and supporting athletes in that those triad opportunities. John, just to clarify a little bit for the listeners, I think a lot of us who follow biathlon, we tend to look at the examples like Denise Herman of Germany or uh, Stina Nielsen of, of, of Sweden who have made that switch over to biathlon. But you're not really looking so much at that level. You're looking at really integrating this as a part of that whole development process for cross-country skiers to just give them another option in their development phase, right? Hey, listen, if, if Julia Kern uh, or Jesse Diggins uh, called me today and said, hey, coach, you know, love to love to come over to biathlon, uh, we would not uh, turn them down. But no, um, you know, we are looking, we, we just think there's so much opportunity here. And it's about getting the word out there. And it's about identifying athletes who might be a great fit. Uh, in some cases, um, you know, athletes who, you know, who just haven't found the opportunity or haven't received the opportunity to race internationally uh, in cross-country skiing, because there's so many people uh, attempting to achieve those small numbers of teams, and they haven't achieved that, they might look at biathlon and say, wait a minute, there's a lot of international racing opportunity here, and, and the pathway is a little bit more direct. And by the way, I can skate ski like crazy, and uh, this might be my sport. So, uh, and you know, U.S. biathlon has proven that it can take exceptional cross-country skiers and turn them into international caliber biathletes in, in, in some cases, months and get them on the international racing field. And so that's what's exciting uh, for me to be a part of, to spread that news. And, and I'll just tease uh, Julia just for a minute. Uh, when we were in Utah this fall for the Shoots and Skis Festival, she did come up to me and she said, you know, Farah, I should have been a biathlete. You know, we uh, when I was growing up, I, I shot when I was about 16 and I really liked it. But then every time there was a cross-country camp, it conflicted with a biathlon camp. And I just never, you know, I just never found the time to connect with it. And so to me, I use that as a great um, motivator. You know, whether she was or was not meant to be a biathlete is not the point. The point is more that here's this young person who deserved an opportunity to connect with it more often to figure out maybe if it was the perfect sport for them. So uh, Julie's a good friend. She stayed with us uh, during some of her uh, times here in Utah. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, but yeah, this is about the future moving forward and finding, you know, US, USBA's uh, future stars. John, will we see some of these talent ID camps yet this season? Yeah, we will. This is going to be, uh, in some cases, a customized effort. Um, you know, we, uh, we will have some camps lined up for Lake Placid this summer. We find that it, the best experience in these talent ID camps is when it, when it can coexist with a national team camp. That way, these uh, athletes that are coming in over lunches and, and coffee can be talking with athletes who've experienced it in some cases who were cross-country skiers converted to biathletes. So most of our talent ID camps will be focused on the summer period in combination with our national team camps in Lake Placid at the Olympic Training Center where U.S. Olympic Committee is, is U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee is quite supportive of our efforts and uh, provides us uh, beds and, and meals and, and room and boarding for those kinds of endeavors. 
The uh, final pillar is your coach's development strategy. This is something that is so vital in any sport. Uh, this is also maybe a bit of a new area to for U.S. Biathlon to put this kind of energy into it. What are some of the plans you have in this area? Yeah, this one, I, I jumped right in on day one here. Uh, first off, I uh, decided to get my U.S. skiing level 100 certification, which I had Sure, I did about 10 or 12 years ago when I was at U.S. Skiing, uh, maybe even helped write the manual back then. Uh, but I really enjoyed my experience um, getting back into that. Uh, it's come a long way. They do an exceptional job. Uh, in addition, I've been talking with the IBU, who have also established their own coaches education program recently, and they're doing an exceptional job there. So right now, you know, I'm formulating a, a concept, or I should say we are putting together a, a working group. Uh, with athletes and coaches and, and staff from U.S. Biathlon, where we talk about how do we, you know, get coaches inspired to continue their education and their professional development along the way, and maybe not create our own uh, pathway and our own level one, two, three, and utilize the U.S. skiing pathways and the IBU uh, coaches education pathway. So we're we're really trying to take our blinders off and maybe have a more hybrid and unique approach that would, uh, again, incentivize our coaches to work towards professional development, to become the best coaches they can be. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a fun project and one that I think, as you said, is going to have a lasting impact on the sport. Because as we grow these communities and as we add communities that take on biathlon, we're going to need coaches to be able to uh, work with athletes, inspire athletes, and 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 move the, the sport down the line. So it's a, it's a good time to to be involved in this. You've been on a road trip this fall, this early winter, to talk to coaches. What's been some of the feedback that you've received? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, the road trip you refer to is um, I was able to make a two thousand mile road trip to move some targets to uh, to the benefit of three different clubs, uh, Bend, Oregon. Uh, the group in Methow uh, that is growing uh, and Boise even uh, that was looking for uh, some targets. And so I got to play Santa Claus and uh, deliver targets around to each of those clubs and, and meet with each and talk about what their challenges are and what they're excited about and, and what kind of support we can offer them and, and come up with this one, two, three year plan for how to uh, evolve the sport in their communities. It's, it, that's been really rewarding. Uh, and as I said, being in Sun Valley this past weekend, I also met with some com community leaders there who, who uh, you know, are excited to bring biathlon back into Sun Valley and make it part of their uh, community. And, you know, one of the reasons Sun Valley is excited is they had Deidre Irwin in their community and they've had Aurora Kramer in their community. And those both of those athletes went there, increased their ski speed and came out with exceptional international performances. And so Sun Valley already is a biathlon town in some ways because they're contributing to the performances of our athletes. And, and so uh, I'm very excited to keep, keep moving on that front. Um, you know, I got a call from Northern Michigan, a uh, town in uh, Ontonagon. Excuse me if I didn't pronounce it right, but I'm pretty sure I was close. Uh, right up on the... On no, the, you're perfect. Uh, okay, great. Up on the lake, uh, and they want to build a, a biathlon range. Uh, that's only 68 miles from uh, Michigan Tech University, which has some of our exceptional young biathlon talent already skiing for their collegiate program, and and it's a it's a couple mile uh, it's a couple hours uh, east of Duluth. One, the one story I have to tell you though that's maybe fired me up more than most. I took a call from Jordan Tangway, who is up in Juneau, Alaska. She grew up in Fort Kent. 
She was coached by my good friend and probably yours, Carl Terrio. Um, she is a biathlete turned coach and she reached out and she's talking about how she'd like to start this biathlon program up in Juneau. Here's a community with an existing Nordic culture, a hunting culture, a shooting culture, uh, and is interested in making this happen. And in her case, there's no concern about where to put the range. They already have targets. In her case, she's got a hundred kids on cross country skis and they all need a rifle, <laughs> right? And rifles are expensive and challenging. So, uh, it fired me up because every community has its strengths and its assets, and in some cases, its weaknesses, where uh, our challenges, I should say. And uh, Jordan represents one. We already have a biathlon coach in this community. It's got all the makings for a long-term success. Uh, and now our job is to go up there, bring up the laser rifles, create some energy, get the local community excited about it, get the, the local community leaders excited about it. And then hopefully we can raise some funds and we can really just go go crazy on Juno. And that'll be a success story we can talk about in a few years. So those are the kinds of things that get me fired up uh, every day. All of us in Nordic sport have always looked to Alaska because it just seems to be this hotbed for the things that we're interested in, be it cross-country skiing, ski jumping now. And, and what do you have for a program right now in Anchorage? Yeah, Anchorage has um, a couple different programs. Um, so does Fairbanks. And uh, one of our regional coordinators, Steve Wilson, has been educating me on all the you know successes up there. They have an incredible coach, uh, Jean Paquette, um, who is, is coaching up in Alaska. They'll be hosting the junior uh, trials here in a few weeks. I am not going to be able to go to that. Uh, right now, I, I don't go to the races anymore because while that's fun and I would love to be there, uh, my job is to go to communities um, to, to set the stage for the future. And so I'll be spending my time um, uh, continuing to go to communities, uh, especially in the Mountain West, where I can uh, I can drive and uh, keep the budget lean. But uh, yeah, Alaska is really has just an incredible opportunity uh, to become you know a hotbed for biathlon. What's What's really exciting about Alaska is they also have the Arctic Winter Games, which is something that uh, inspires many of those communities to be involved, and they have all kinds of different events, including biathlon cross-country, snowshoe. And so, you know, in some of these schools, they already participate at some level in biathlon. And uh, it's only it's only the beginning. I think there's really a, an opportunity to grow um, grow like crazy. So I hope their their races go well. Uh, for once, the, the, the junior athletes from Alaska don't have to travel, don't have to get on an airplane. So I'm happy for them. John, you've been on your job for two months. And before we wrap things up, I just want to have you reflect back. I mean, it looks like you've got about as much work as one would normally get done in a couple of years. You've got it done in a couple of months. But what's the most gratifying thing as you look back over your short time so far with U.S. Biathlon that really gives you motivation for the future? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there will never be a dull moment in this role. Uh, there will always be something to do. And I think of it as, as uh, triaging my efforts uh, because we can only do so much. But, you know, it's also not that complicated. In the end, uh, when I'm able to make a phone call and talked with uh, with Jordan in Juno, you know that one hour spent with her was rewarding for her because she felt supported, and we started coming up with ideas together for how we could create excitement in that community. So for me, what I'm sensing is that from the communities I've spoken with, and the club leaders and the coaches I've spoken with, they're just excited to have somebody able to focus on these development topics 100%. Because in the past. You know, if they're reaching out to Tim Burke and he's got so many other responsibilities, 
with athletes and, and such, that's not as easy. And now they know that it's my job to support them. And so that's the really maybe the most rewarding piece is knowing that I've got the ability to support people, even if it's just sometimes talking through uh, what the challenge is and how we can get just a little bit better each, each day, each month, each year. I think it's going to be really a fun journey. And uh, honestly, doing it with my Nordic community is, uh, is really uh, such a pleasure already. And, and I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. Well, John, it's been fun to talk to you about this, and I know you have a big adventure ahead of you, but thanks for all that you do. We're going to wrap up this episode of Heartbeat with a section that we call On Target, a few simple questions for you. And I'm going to start and have you go back to your childhood when you were growing up in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York, and you were spending time cross-country racing around uh, upstate New York and New England. But did you have a favorite sport hero or role model when you were a young cross-country skier? Oh, yes. Marilio Desolt, five foot seven, 145 pound Italian champion who was just an energizer buddy on skis. I just loved watching that man compete. Yeah, he was amazing. I have great memories of him too from, from back in that area. Marilio Desolt of Italy. How about a favorite memory as an athlete? I got to say, winning the 10K Classic National Championships in 1991. On my Lake Placid Olympic trails uh, is a is a lasting memory that I I won't forget. But I but I also have to mention dancing with my mother at the closing ceremonies in Albertville was not to be beat. That was a special time back then. What a what a what an interesting Olympics that was. You have been involved in many coaching realms, high performance director. As you think back, do you have a favorite memory as a coach or a high performance director? Easy. Pyeongchang. The Paranordic athletes there were absolutely exceptional. Uh, they took home 16 medals. And the staff team that Eileen Carey and I put together worked like uh, just an orchestra for the athletes. Just seamless super professional and it was just a, a a real highlight for me in my career. Yeah, that was a really amazing Olympics for the Paranordic group, wasn't it? Wow. You bet. Incredible. How about the biggest lesson that you took away from U.S. triathlon? Yeah, this one, this is also really easy for me. The last two individual medals won in triathlon were won by athletes that didn't know they were meant to be triathletes. They were recruited in the collegiate recruitment program, and they became exceptional triathletes, achieving Olympic medals and making a heck of a living in the sport. And that obviously resonates with my new role. It's perfect. It's perfect. And then finally, a question that we ask everyone on Heartbeat. Usually the answer is Antholtz. I know, you, I know yours is going to be different, but do you have a favorite biathlon venue? Well, my home venue of Soldier Hollow is absolutely amazing. But I have to say, Ridnown in Italy, up on the, on the Austrian border, it's just an incredible little venue. It's tucked into the mountains, amazing people. The food is, of course, incredible. Uh, they provided just an awesome camp opportunities for our paranordic athletes uh, over the years. And uh, so that place was a very special little Italian biathlon venue. Well, John Farah, thank you for joining us on Heartbeat. We're so happy to take you away from the heat and the sweat of triathlon and bring you back in a winter where you belong, right? Yeah, absolutely. And hey, I really, uh, I, I enjoy being with you. And I'll just say if, if the projects and uh, that I mentioned resonate with your listeners, um, I'd encourage them to, to help it 
continue to be a reality. Uh, you know, donate to US Biathlon. You can go to usbiathlon.org uh, and find there's a there's a link there. Um, we do a great deal with much smaller financial resources than some of the bigger biathlon nations. Uh, and it takes investment in to support our athletes to achieve their dreams uh, of getting on the podium around the world. Uh, but it's a worthy investment. Uh, it'll be an incredible journey to watch it unfold in the coming years. And I'm just happy to be a, a small piece of it. So I appreciate, appreciate you uh, bringing me on. Olympian John Farah, thank you for joining us. Director of Sport Development for U.S. Biathlon, thanks for being with us on Heartbeat. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed the insights presented by John Farah. You can tell that the time is right with new clubs primed to climb on board. If you missed earlier episodes of Heartbeat this year, check out the interview with U.S. Biathlon coach Armin Alkenthaler on the season ahead. And with the BMW IBU World Cup biathlon season underway, there have already been some promising results. You can watch all the World Cup action streaming live this year. Check out links at usbiathlon.org and on our social channels. And remember to subscribe to Heartbeat to get every episode delivered directly to you. And leave a review if you can. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast.